Welcome to this episode of the Hakshivu Hakshivu Herzl Camp podcast. I'm Lonnie Goldsmith, the producer of this week's podcast, and I am joined by Hannah Gilfix and Ellie Simon. <laughs> uh, Hannah, tell everyone what it is you do here at camp. At camp this summer, I am Rosh Hinuch, which means the head of education, and so I oversee the whole Hinuch team and all of the Jewish education that goes on at camp. And Ellie, what's your role here this summer? I'm assistant Rosh Hinuch, and then I'm also a bunk staff for Biachad, which is our 15-year-olds, the oldest kids at camp. So you're both past Herzl campers, now obviously senior staff in some regard. Um, how has Jewish education evolved? How have you seen it evolve from your time as campers to where it is you're helping to lead it to now? Um, when I was a camper, we used to pray like two, three times a week. Um, and it was always the same service, always the same time. And it got really boring and repetitive because we were praying during the week and then we were praying on Shabbat. And we never really talked about like the Torah portion or anything like that. Um, and then as I've gotten older, like as a camper, we did more discussion-paced things, but it was still had nothing to do with the Torah portion or anything. It was just kind of whatever Jewish topic that they wanted to talk about that day was discussed. Um, so we talk about like a huge variety of things like anti-Semitism and the Holocaust and, you know, what's going on in Israel. And then as I got older and became a staff member, I joined the Hinuch team and we started developing more of a curriculum. So we talk about the Torah portion and then we have a weekly Midah, which is a Jewish value that we incorporate into the Torah portion and into our studies. And every week we have less praying, but we have more options. So we do a, on Thursdays, we have a pray your own way minion. So they have like a couple different options. There's usually like an art service and then there's meditation and yoga and a hiking minion and whatever else we want to throw in that week. And then we have a couple different days during the week. We'll talk about the Torah portion and how that relates to the Midah that we're studying and we have uh, a learning service on Mondays, and we have Israel studies on Wednesdays, and then we have normal Shabbat on Saturdays. Hannah, the, how much of this is as you know running, you know, the heading up of this program for this summer? How much of this was sort of in place that you're building off of, and how much were sort of new ideas that you, as somebody younger and you know closer to the age of a lot of the campers, uh, can sort of help them relate a little better to it? Most of what's in place, we started last year. Okay. Um, this year, we're building off of that. Last year is the first year we started using Midot, as Ellie was saying, the Jewish traits. And through that, we've created this whole curriculum of picking... Before camp, um, our senior staff spend time... Each uh, staff member does a Torah study about one of the Torah portions that will happen during the summer, and then they have the opportunity to choose the Midah of the week and talk about how that will relate to the Torah portion. Um, and that's kind of what we've based both last year and this year. All of our curriculum is based in that um, and finding ways to help all of our campers connect to Judaism in some form or another, as some are coming from backgrounds where they don't know as much and some know a lot more based on where they're from and what their families do. Um, and we found this a way that this to be a way that everyone can engage in those conversations and find a connection to Judaism, even if it's through something they wouldn't normally find a connection to. You know, Ellie, you mentioned that you have the oldest, you're a bunk staff for the oldest kids in camp. And recently, Hannah, you just finished up being the program director for the youngest kids in camp. <laughs> so with that kind of age range, you're talking about like a seven or eight year gap between the two programs, 
how do you make the programming because obviously the Torah portion doesn't change depending on the age of the kid. It's always you know the same for all of all of us each week. How do you make the programming so it's relatable and age appropriate? Um, I've been writing programming for like three years now, so I've written for pretty much every age group at camp. Um, so for me, the younger kids, it's all about activities. They want to be getting up, they want to be moving, but you can still incorporate these values and ideas into activities. Um, so we try to relate the midah to whatever game we play, and then afterwards there's usually a short discussion or like a little art project. Um, this past week, we talked about um, self-identity and loyalty. So we had them play like a little game, and then we talked about the game, and then we had them pick stickers and talk about how they relate to the stickers that they picked and their friends related to the stickers that they picked. So it's just a fun, cute way to talk about like the midav like loyalty and self-identity um, but with the older kids they when they play games they feel like they're being treated like children um, so we've been trying to do a lot more discussion based things because that's that's what they want that's what they like um, so we try to talk about like the Torah portion and we'll bring it into some kind of um, discussion do they agree with what happened in the Torah portion how does the Torah portion nowadays reflect off modern society how can you relate social justice movements to what we're reading about how can you relate to this in your life and how does all of this tie into the midah and how does that affect your own life and when they're adults they're really gonna wish they were treated more like kids when they're yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> definitely Hannah, you're stationed here at camp, but you're employed also by the Foundation for Jewish Camp. So how much of what you do is sort of comes from that level of as sort of an umbrella organization? So I have, I just started working at the Foundation for Jewish Camp, um, and my work has actually started here, and I will move to New York in August to begin working there. Okay. And so I had an orientation there at the beginning of the summer, and they gave me a lot of tools on how to look at camp differently. Um, than looking at it from just like a typical bunk staff at Herzl camp as every camp's different. And so it's given me a different lens on how to see camp in a much bigger picture and how to see where Herzl can learn from other camps. And I think that's a lot of what we've done to create this new curriculum of Judaism at camp is looking at what other camps do and understanding um, what education can look like versus what we thought it had to look like in the past. And I think it's different because you have kids that come from all walks of Judaism and all levels yeah. of practice, uh, whether it's, you know, conservative or reform. Um, and even within that, you know, not everybody's the same. So, you know, how do you sort of try to keep everything so it's all on a level playing field for everybody, even though some may come in with a base of knowledge that's different than someone else? Um, something that I like to do is I have my kids work in groups. Um, so I call them I call them to fill out groups. Every group has two staff members and about ten campers. Um, and since everything's conversation based, everyone can bring from their own um, their own background, their own experiences to talk about these Jewish ideas. Because someone might have spent you know every Saturday of their life in a synagogue, and someone may have never stepped foot in a synagogue before, and they can share in these conversations. And I try to make them relatable to their own lives and then also connect to Judaism so they are much more relatable and anyone can relate to them. And we try to keep it consistent. So they're, for Kadim and Biachal, they both have those Tifilot groups and they stay in them all summer. And so throughout the summer, they're 
they're building relationships with people they might not otherwise meet Mm -hmm. and they're building that through Jewish education and through these tougher conversations that they probably don't have in other aspects of camp. This is going to be a weird question, but (laughs) do, do the kids feel like they're being, for lack of a better word, tricked into learning? It's summer. They don't want to, like, they want to play. They want to run around. They want to do stuff with their friends. They want to, you know, rock wall and waterfront. Mm -hmm. You mix it in, in a way that's, uh, you know, interesting, certainly for, for kids at different, you know, at different ages and different, you know, levels of understanding. But is there any sort of pushback from them of like, hey, I don't want to do this learning yes, stuff? a lot of pushback. Oh, really? Okay. Them. Yeah, especially like with the the kids like Sophie age, so like the middle schoolers, they are at that age where all they want to do is play and hang out with their friends. And they know that they come to a Jewish camp. They know that there's going to be Judaism and they still, you know, don't want to do it. So for them, it's super important to have um, something that's fun. And then you also have to tell them that they're going to be learning. (laughs) And I think because of that, and that's something we've seen forever at camp, um, (laughs) is we know that that's a thing and we cater our programming to that. And I think this year we've changed a lot. Like, like Ellie said, Kanimi Biachat is more discussion-based, which is what helps them stay engaged, and the younger kids are more um, activity-based, which keeps them engaged. And then even through Shabbat services, we've catered a lot more towards musical services and things that everyone can participate in, um, with the hopes that obviously there are other things they'd like to be doing at camp because they're at camp and they don't want it to feel like school. And so we're trying to make it so it has a camp feel to mm-hmm. learning. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So one of the really cool things here at Herzl is that there's a lot of Israeli staff. How do you, how do the Israeli staff members get incorporated into sort of the Israel education and then Jewish learning in general? I think it depends on the person. A lot of them, I think the biggest thing um, that campers learn from them is just kind of like what normal life in Israel is like because they really have no idea. Um, and even campers who have gone to Israel, they do all like typical like touristy things, but they don't really know what life in Israel is. And I think um, one thing that we like, one of the reasons we like to have so many Israelis, because um, we've certainly had more and more over the years than we used to, is because we want our campers to just feel the connection to Israel through people um, as opposed to only doing it through programming. They also help um, with our Israel education programming but they do come from a different background where most of them really don't have never really sat through a service before because while they live in Israel, they're not, most of them are not observant Jews in Israel because that looks really different there. Yeah. Um, but we, but I think they're really helpful in understanding Israeli culture and helping our campers to connect to Israel in a different way than any of us could provide. So you're saying that climbing Masada and going to the Dead Sea is not <laughs> a typical everyday activity? Not exactly. No. <laughs> not every day. <laughs> What do you see happening at camps in general from sort of the either the people you've talked to at other camps or the things that you've learned just in preparation for the summer? What do you what do you see? You see Herzl sort of in line with with other camps when it comes to Jewish learning and the education piece? I think Ellie can also touch on this. We were both at Cornerstone this past yeah. year, which is a conference put on by the Foundation for Jewish Camp where camps send some of their best staff and they all get to learn together from some of some really amazing Jewish educators. And I think at least for me, and you can touch on this too. I learned a lot there about what other camps are doing and it's really hard to compare because 
as both an independent and pluralistic camp, we can't really compare it to a Ramah camp or a URJ camp that, mm-hmm. right, they have like, these umbrella organizations that they fit into and they kind of have to go with what they do. And we have this really cool opportunity to do whatever we want within that, um, which is hard. It's and really fun, though. <laughs> I think we are, I think in the greater camp world, we're keeping up with the idea of like what education at camp looks like, and it does look very different everywhere. Yeah, I agree. When I was at Cornerstone, I went to a lot of workshops on like what Jewish education looks like at camp, and I noticed how just like vastly different it can be and so I took from that lots of different like smaller ideas like oh you can incorporate Jewish education through like creating parody songs like the kids learn so much when they create a parody song or like I did one program for I think it was Noir and Haatid so some of the youngest kids about talking about a Torah portion through the characters of Inside Out so every kid picked um, a character like got to pick out of a hat a character from Inside Out and they had to take on that like they were an Israelite in the desert and now they're experiencing anger and they had to go around and pretend that they were you know an angry Israelite what would you say to Moses what would if you had to go in front of a jury what would you say like to plead your case um so things like that are just super fun ideas to incorporate Judaism well it's good because I think it gives all the camps an opportunity to sort of yeah you know steal ideas or (laughs) borrow them from each other as a way to sort of build up programming Mm and you know nobody no one person has the market cornered on good ideas yeah so what do you think is the sort of the the next big thing coming what do you what do you see maybe a year or so down the road that you're you're gonna talk Herzl into trying to implement I think one thing that we talked a lot about both during the year um, and at camp this summer is Israel education. And I think that's a hot topic everywhere. Um, And something that we're trying to focus on starting this year. And it's certainly more than a year long process is creating some scaffolding of Israel education. So our campers have a base knowledge of like factual information about Israel as a place before they lead into the hot topics of Israel. And that's going to be a over the years, um, kind of progression but our goal is that every camper in taste they're going to learn one thing and then by biachad they're going to have a significantly higher knowledge about that topic and so what biachad knows now should be vastly different than what biachad knows seven years from now because taste started learning it this year right and i think that sort of goes back to the evolution of the the education program yeah Uh, and how it sort of changed again from when you were campers many years ago to what it looks like now. Yeah, definitely. Well, excellent. Well, Hannah and Ellie, thank you very much for for joining us and talking with us and talking to everyone about what what the the kids are learning this summer. So we appreciate uh, appreciate you having having you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Joining us now on the podcast is Camp Director Drea Lear. Drea, how are you? Hi, everybody. I'm doing great. I can't believe we're in the home stretch. We are in the home stretch. And one of the things that, you know, I am a camp parent and I have been through this a lot of years and it never gets easier is the idea of reentry of kids coming back. There are kids who are coming back soon who will have been there anywhere from three weeks to six weeks. Mm-hmm. And that the, the reentry, as we like to call it around here, can be a little bumpy at times. Yeah. What are some things that you've seen in your camp experience and talking to your colleagues around the country 
or some tips maybe for our parents that uh, for other parents who you know maybe haven't experienced it before absolutely absolutely so the first thing um that i'll put out there is that um your kids are campers they live at just different speed here at camp than they do at home um so they are you know go go going here at camp um and so when they get home they will likely need to to crash a little bit um so those those first couple nights of sleep are really really helpful for them um but it will also look and feel very different to them because remember here at camp they're living communally so they are living with anywhere from 10 to 13 other people um and so they get used to a sort of flow that centers around communal living um you know going to a shared um bathroom and shower house so they're brushing their teeth with a bunch of other people and it becomes a social event and when they get home it's a very you know singular event um and so just recognizing and almost honoring that there's pretty big difference between camp life and home life is often really helpful um it's really helpful to the campers because they might not even recognize that it's a, as big of a um but uh as you know as their parents um and as camp staff we we can understand that it is different and we can name that for them so that's really helpful um the other thing that i will say is you know like lonnie said um our campers have been here anywhere from three to six weeks so they have really gotten into the swing of life without their quote general comforts so they don't have access to things like netflix or snapchat or um you know uh, social media of really any kind and so they have learned new ways to feel fulfilled um, and if you ask the campers at the end of the summer how they feel uh, they will likely tell you that they feel um they feel full they feel accepted they feel part of something um they feel uh they feel like like they are sort of whole in their own words right though this is these are some of the things that they tell us at the end of the summer and so helping them recognize other ways at home that they can feel those feelings um in a healthy and and appropriate way and so helping your campers make that jump from, okay, you felt full or you felt um, you felt uh, happy at camp. Okay, what did that look like? Did that mean laughing with friends? Did that mean sitting in a hammock with a couple of other people and just, you know, hanging around, pun totally intended. Um, and thinking about how we can bridge camp and life after camp with some of these things um so you know maybe it is one day just taking them to a park setting up a couple of hammocks and giving them a little bit of that time to feel that feeling like they did here at camp um the other thing that i will say is you know our campers they did their activities and their schedule here right so of course we have a camp schedule and they go from activity to activity or program to program 
Um, but they get to choose their hogin or their daily activities. They get to choose where they sit at meals. They get to choose. They have a lot of choice in what their days look like. Um, and so to go from a structured environment where they have a lot of choice to home, which may look a little bit different of what that is, is probably a little bit of a shock for them. And so thinking as, you know, as parents and guardians, thinking about what it looks like to actually build a schedule with your kid upon returning home um, might be an interesting thing to experiment with because they now they have these skills, they know what their options are, and then they, they make choices and they execute their day in that way. Um, giving that a try at home might help them make that transition a little bit more and may also show off some of the new independence that they have gained here at camp. Yeah. And, and a quick story that you talk about the independence side uh, yeah. as a parent, I'm not going to divulge which of my two children did this <laughs> because they may hear this, but <laughs> one, one year after camp, you know, I had cooked dinner and we sat down at the table and she gets up from the table and walks over to the bridge and you know, grabs the loaf of bread out of the pantry and pulls out the peanut butter and jelly and calmly said, what are you doing? I said, well, at camp, if we didn't like what was for dinner, we could just make a, you know, a, a butter, you know, nut butter and jelly sandwich. So that's what I'm doing because I don't like this dinner. <laughs> so it, it's hard for parents too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. That's, that's the perfect story um, to describe kind of what happens, right? They have, our campers have a lot of autonomy here at camp, obviously, within the structure that camp provides. Um, and so making some of these decisions, even about things that they are eating, um, will feel like a shock. And, um, but know that, you know, that there are one, it will absolutely level out. Of course, it will, they will get used to being at home. Um, and two, that they are learning here at camp, uh, might be fun and interesting to incorporate into their daily lives at home. Um, so those are just a couple of tips that uh, that we've learned and heard up here, uh, and some of the things that even my colleagues around the around the country have to say about welcoming kids home. Well, Drea, this is perfect. Thank you so much uh, for joining us on this week's podcast, and thank you for all you do up at camp all summer for. Uh, for the kids and for the staff and keeping everyone happy and healthy and safe. And speaking again, as a Herzl parent, we appreciate it very much. So thank you. Well, thank you, Lonnie. It's a true pleasure to, um, to hold space for these campers and these staff um, and for, for all of you as families. And um, I wish you all the best on re-entry. Um, and if there are things that you are seeing or hearing that you have questions about, um, give us a call. We we run office hours at the end of August. Um, so our office, um, our program staff are available Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday from 10, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. for the last two weeks of August. And uh, we are here to support you uh, not only during the camp season, but also upon re-entry. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much, Drea. Thanks, everyone. The Hakshivu Hakshivu podcast is produced by Jufolk Inc. For more information on Jufolk, go to tcjufolk.com.